this is Andrew Womack, and we're continuing our teaching in Healing University. And man, we've covered a lot of material. I believe many of you have already been healed, but you know what? You need to learn. You need to keep learning because this isn't something you learn one time and you've got it and it's over. Satan is going to be fighting you uh, until the day you go to be with the Lord over this area of healing. And if not for yourself, certainly there's other people around you that you know that need to be healed. So this is an area that we need to become proficient in. And we've already covered a lot of material. But what I want to talk about today is about the power of vision. Or you could say the power of your imagination in healing. Now let me just say right up front that when the moment I use the word imagination, there's some people that immediately have a disconnect and they think, oh, you're talking about mind over matter. Or there's some people who think, well, imagination is just fantasy. I don't want something that's to do with fantasy. I want something that's real. You know, little kids have an imagination and they dream of all of these things. Well, fantasy is not the use of imagination that I'm talking about. Let me share some scriptures with you in uh, Genesis chapter 6. It says in verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man's heart was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Right here, the Lord talked about seeing our imaginations, and the imagination of the thoughts of our heart was only evil continually. And if I had time, uh, I could give you at least 20 plus references in the Old Testament where the Lord talked about the imaginations of people's hearts being evil. And uh, whether you realize it or not, your imagination is a vital part of your life. Let me use this verse from over in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. And the scripture there says that the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusteth in him. And the word mind right here is literally the Hebrew word yetzer, Y-E-S-T-E-R. Or I've seen another uh, Hebrew concordance that spells it Y-E-S-E-R. But anyway, it's yeser or yetzer. And it literally means conception. And the word that was translated mind means conception. This is where you conceive things, just like a woman has to conceive a child. I'm not going to teach on this, but hopefully everybody understands that the stork doesn't bring babies, amen. That's not how they come. You have to conceive a child, and your mind is where you conceive things, and this exact same word that was translated, mind right here, was translated imagination, in all of these other places. For instance, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And also look over here in Genesis chapter 11. It says that the in verse 5 that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing shall be restrained from them which they have imagined to do Now, that's a little different word because it's a different tense of the same thing, but it's talking about the imagination. This is your conception 
part of you. Your imagination is where you conceive things. And you're going to have to use your brain here for just a moment. I know that lots of times people just want to minister to encourage and build you up. It's like a cheerleader, rah, 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 and, and you don't want to learn anything or think. You just want to be inspired. But this will help you if you can understand what I'm saying right here. You use your imagination every minute of every day. Your imagination is your conception part. You cannot do something that you can't conceive on the inside. And that conception is your imagination. So, like, say, for instance, if I say, you know, uh, what, how do you get from where you are down to the corner store or something like that? You know what? You wouldn't be able to look out your window and necessarily see all of the turns and stuff like that. You may not know exactly how many lights it is. You may have never sat down and accounted and said you go down this street and there's uh, two stoplights or what. You probably never have counted it, but you know what? You can see it. You could sit there and with your imagination, you could tell me you go out here and you turn left or right and then you go down so many stoplights or stop signs and then you turn and you will be able to describe something that's on the corner. You can't see it at that moment. But that's your imagination. The dictionary defines imagination as your ability to see something that isn't present or real at that moment. You know, I've built all of these buildings here for the Bible college. And I had a man that I was showing around. And he said, did you ever imagine this? And I said, absolutely. I said, if I hadn't have imagined it, if I hadn't have seen it on the inside, I wouldn't have ever seen this on the outside. You can't do something that you haven't already seen. And, and I could spend a lot of time. I've got a new teaching. I've got a book out on this. I've got a series on this that goes into five or six hours of teaching. I'm just cutting this short uh, to be able to relate this to healing right here. But you cannot do anything that you haven't seen on the inside or imagined. That's your conception. You have to conceive it first. And so let me relate all of this back to healing. You have to see yourself healed. And this is a major problem in many people not receiving their healing. Because especially those that have been sick for a long time, they see themselves sick. They think sick. They plan sick. If they go on a vacation... Their whole vacation is centered around, I can't go at this certain time because of the allergy season. Or, you know, if you have mobility problems, I can't go to this place because I can't get up. And your whole life is built around your sickness and disease. There are certain people that are allergic to certain foods. And because of that, they're fearful about going out and eating or going over to a friend's house. And they, they just constantly think sick. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I could go and give you the context and explain this in more detail, but he's basically just saying that the way you see things on the inside, that's how you experience things on the outside. And that ability to see something with your heart and not just with your eyes is your imagination. And this isn't just for children. This is for adults. Do you know when we built this building that we're in right here, I started drawing it on a napkin and I showed these architects. And so then they took it and refined it. And then I said, but I want 
a clear story. I want beams in here. And I began to start describing what I saw in my heart. And I drew rough, crude things. And, and from that, they began to start seeing. They couldn't see it with their physical eyes. But they saw in their imagination what I was talking about. And we went back and forth until eventually we came up with this. And I said, yeah, this is what I see. And we had to talk. And then they make these blueprints so that the workers, you don't just come in here and say, well, make the ceiling so high and you do this. You have to put blueprints in that shows all of the details. And it, it helps people to see things. If you're assembling something, you know, it's one thing to have instructions and say you put this part into this part and stuff and, and the instructions are necessary, words are important, but often they will say, see figure one, see figure two, etc. A picture is worth a thousand words. And if you can't picture something on the inside, if you can't see yourself healed, then you won't be. You know, let me give you this illustration. I was listening to a teaching one time and I've used this illustration a lot. But it's because it's one of the best illustrations that I've ever heard on this. But I was listening to a teaching, and there was a woman who was a pastor's wife, and they were having a known healing evangelist come to their church. And she had very poor eyesight, had these thick glasses that she was legally blind, but she wore these thick glasses and could just barely see. And she had had so many people pray for her that she was discouraged and she didn't want somebody else praying with her and nothing happening. She just, she tried to avoid this healing evangelist. And finally, the last night of the meeting, this evangelist just cornered her and he says, I want to pray for your eyes. And so she said, okay. And he made her take off her glasses and then he prayed a prayer of faith for her. And then he says, now, can you see? So she started to open her eyes and he yelled at her and said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes thinking, well, how can I tell if I can see? And so he asked a second time. He says, now, can you see? So she started to open her eyes and he yelled at her. He says, shut your eyes. And she was thinking, what's going on? Finally, the third time, he says, now, can you see? So she started to open her eyes and he said, I didn't tell you to open your eyes. You have to see yourself seen with your heart. That's your imagination. You have to see yourself healed on the inside before you see yourself healed on the outside. And so then this woman closed her eyes and she just prayed in tongues for a while and, and finally she says, I see it. I see myself seeing without those glasses. And he says, now open up your eyes. And she opened her eyes and she could see. And I think that this is something that we fail to do often. We just pray for a person and then they wait to see if the pain is gone, if their eyes are open, if whatever they're praying over, if, if it's gone, well then hallelujah. But if it's not, well, then they just go on and, and they never have seen themselves healed. We would be better off to instill healing in a person's heart and let them conceive healing and give birth to it. You know the way that most people get healed they run to somebody else who has spent time and has conceived healing. And in a sense, they have a surrogate birth through somebody else. But that's not the best. Now, God uses that because there's, we're all in different stages of growth. And if the only way for you to be healed was for you to conceive it yourself and then give deliverance 
to that healing, well then people who come forward today to get saved and yet it's two years uh, process before they get strong enough to receive their own healing and yet they've only got a week to live, those people would be doomed to die if the only way you could get healed is just to give birth to it yourself. And so because of that, God has some people in the body of Christ with special gifts and you can run to them and receive a healing through them. And so there is a purpose for that, and I'm not discounting that. We need those things, but you can't count on that person always being around when you need them. That is hit and miss. It is inefficient. It is necessary because we all are at different stages of growth, but the best way is for you to conceive it, for you to see yourself healed. And as a man thinks in his heart, that's the way that you will be. If you take the Word of God, it's an incorruptible seed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, We are being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God that lives and abides forever. The Word of God is a seed, and if you will plant that in your heart, it will eventually begin to conceive and sprout, and you will see yourself healed on the inside. And once you get healed on the inside, once you see it on the inside, it's just a matter of time until the physical realm lines up. Because again, Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. If you just constantly see yourself well, then that is going to reproduce itself in your experience and you will see that healing manifest. You know, I took this exact principle and I was reading John chapter 14, verse 12. Where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And I was meditating on that verse, and I said, Father, I haven't seen the greater works. And then I got to thinking, well, forget the greater works right now. I just want to see the same works that Jesus did. He healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, and raised the dead. And at that time, I hadn't seen anybody raised from the dead. I hadn't seen very many people healed. And so, you know, one of the reasons I wasn't seeing it, it was because I saw myself as just a man. And I am a man. I am human. I am frail in some ways, but I am not just a man. I am God-possessed. I have God living on the inside of me, and He has given me His power. And He said that if I'm a believer, I'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That the works He did, I would do also. And I hadn't seen myself doing that. I was looking at myself as, who am I? How can I lay hands on somebody that's in a wheelchair and see him get out? And I was thinking wrong. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you know what I did? I started taking every instance where Jesus raised a person from the dead... And, well, not just Jesus, the entire Bible. I went to Elijah, Elisha, all of the instances where somebody was raised from the dead. And I began to study them until I got really familiar with them. I knew all of those details. And then I not only saw Jesus raising like Lazarus from the dead and standing there and yelling with a loud voice, but then I started personalizing and I started saying, Father, you said I would do the same works. And so I started seeing myself with my imagination. I would just sit there and think, Father, you said I would do the same works. Now, see, I didn't let my imagination run wild. I'm not talking about you just dreaming up anything you want. But I'm talking about seeing what the Word of God says, what it promises you, and then using your imagination 
to see that come to pass in your life. And so I started seeing myself standing there. And I would imagine me yelling with a loud voice and saying, Lazarus, come forth. I saw myself walking up to a coffin like Jesus did in the city of Nain to that widow woman and, and stopping the funeral procession and commanding the boy to come alive. And he came back from the dead. I saw myself raising Talita from the dead the way that he did for Jairus' daughter. And I saw these things. And I began to meditate on it. And with my imagination, I just began to start seeing me do these things. And you know, uh, not everybody's the same way here, but I, I'm what they call a, a lucid dreamer. I've read articles about this. And I mean, I dream all of the time. When I'm asleep, it's hard for me to tell if I'm asleep or awake because I'm dreaming constantly and I remember everything that goes on. And as I was meditating on raising people from the dead, I started dreaming about raising people from the dead. And every night I'd raise a dozen people from the dead every single night. And I got to where I was just seeing it. I saw it. And then you know what? I had a person die during one of my services. And praise God, by the grace of God, because I had conceived it, because I'd seen myself doing it. We saw that person raised from the dead. And it was awesome. And then it was, I don't even know, but 12 years or something like that later, that I got to thinking, you know, I hadn't seen anybody raised from the dead in a while. And I said, I'm going to start doing this same thing. So I went back, took every time that Jesus or anybody was raised from the dead, and I meditated on it, and then I started seeing myself doing it. I got to where I was dreaming it again, and I was just living, and I was thinking and focused on this. And then my son died, was dead for five hours. And because I had conceived this, and I had seen it on the inside, then I was able to see it on the outside. And after being dead for five hours, God raised him from the dead. In a morgue. He was already in the morgue, stripped naked with a toe tag on in a freezer. And he sat up and started talking. And there's not a coincidence here. I conceived it. It didn't just happen. It wasn't something that just happened. I conceived it. And there's a lot of people that are seeking to be healed. And yet you've never conceived it in your imagination. That's like a woman that's praying for it to have a child and yet she doesn't ever have a physical relationship with a man. You can pray all you want to. You can pray for a woman until you rub all the hair off the top of her head and she's not going to get pregnant th that way. That's not how it happens. There was only one virgin birth and there, you aren't going to be the second. You have to conceive that child. You have to conceive your miracle and you conceive in your imagination. Again, going back to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says that the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. That's the Hebrew word that literally means conception and it was translated imagination many times in the Old Testament. Your imagination is the part of your mind that conceives things. And if you can't see it on the inside, you won't see it on the outside. And I could spend a lot more time with that. But... Let me give you a New Testament scripture on imagination. This is over in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. And in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is talking about our weapons are so powerful that they can cast down imaginations. If I had time, I could develop this and show you, just like in Genesis chapter 11, where the Lord was actually threatened by people's imagination. Now, anything that they've imagined will be will not be restrained unto them. And so he had to do something to limit their imagination, their ability to communicate. Imagination is powerful. And it says right here that our powerful weapons are so strong they can even deal with imaginations. There's many other scriptures I could use to show you that imagination is a strong force. You know, Lawrence of Olivier, uh, of um, Arabia, Lawrence of Arabia had a saying, and I forget the exact quote right now, but he says, all men dream, but not equally. There are some people who dream in the recesses of their mind, you know, at night, but when they wake up, it's gone. But he says, the world is shaped by people who when their eyes are open, they dream. And that was just a poetic way of saying that those who can dream with their heart, that can see with their imagination, that can see things that other people can't see, those are the ones that drive our society and control everything. Inventors, this is how they do it. They see people like, you know, Thomas Edison was able to record sound on a disc. Nobody had thought of that, but he saw this. He was able to do it. He was able to invent light bulbs and things like this. That was all imagination, and he had to do a lot of things in the natural to see his what was on the inside happen on the outside. But it's imagination that drives us. If imagination is as important as what I'm saying, then I had the question, why doesn't the Bible talk about imagination in a positive way? I've already used Genesis 6 where he saw that the imagination of man's heart was evil. In Genesis chapter 11, he had to stop our imagination because we were doing evil with it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about that our weapons tear down imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If imagination is so powerful, how come the Bible doesn't talk about it in a positive way? You know, out of the 38 references that I know of that the word imagination, imaginations, imagine is used in the Bible, there's only one reference, and that's in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, I believe it's verse 18, that it's used in anything like a positive way. And that was where David had this offering come in that was billions of dollars, and he was so touched, he began to pray, and he says, God, who are we? We were slaves. We had nothing. Now we have given these billions of dollars to the construction of the temple. Oh God, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of people's hearts and prepare their heart unto you. That's the only positive use of imagination that I'm aware of in the Bible and it's talking about your memory. You cannot remember anything without using your imagination. Man, I, that could stand an hour's worth of explanation, but I've got a teaching on that that will do that. If this is true, and if your imagination is powerful, how come it's always speaking about it in a negative way and not in a positive way? And then one day I was reading in Romans chapter 8, and let me read this to you in verse 24. It says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. 
For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And as I was meditating on this, it just dawned on me that the definition of hope, it says if you're looking for something that you can see, then it's not hope. Hope is about the future. It's the ability to see something that you can't see. Or as Paul, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. How can you look at something that isn't seen? You do that with your imagination. That's the definition of imagination. The dictionary says imagination is your ability to see something not present or real. Your imagination is your ability to see it in your mind's eye or in your heart. And so, here's my point in bringing all of this out. A positive imagination is what the Bible calls hope. If you are operating in hope, then you are looking at something that isn't present at this exact moment or real at this exact moment. You're looking into the future and you're seeing what can be instead of what is. And when it comes to healing, this is vital. This is vital. Because the scripture says, Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Believe you receive them when? When you pray. And then you shall have them in the future. It might be a short period of time or a long period of time, but it's a future time. You have to believe you've got it now. How can you do that? With your imagination. You can see yourself healed on the inside before you see it on the outside. And brothers and sisters, this is exactly why so many people don't receive their healing is because they can't see it on the inside. They're just in desperation throwing a prayer out towards God. And if their pain leaves, if all of the symptom leaves, well then hallelujah. But they don't have any ability to see something with their heart. They only go by what the doctor says, by what their body feels. But you can get to where what you see with your heart is more real to you than what you see or feel in your physical body. And I know that right now I'm stretching some of you, and some of you are thinking, man, this is a little strange. Because most people don't live here. But this is what the Apostle Paul said again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look at the things that can't be seen, not at the things which are seen, but the things that can't be seen, because the things which can be seen are all temporal or temporary, but the things which cannot be seen are eternal. And then he begins to talk about that in chapter 5, that we are going to someday lose this body and we'll get a heavenly body. And you can't prove that, but he can see it in his heart. He's got the promise of God and he sees that that's real. And then he goes on down in verse 7, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 7, to say that we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the ability to see something with your heart. It starts as hope, which is your imagination seeing something that isn't real. And once that imagination gets out there and once you start seeing it come to pass, your faith starts bringing it into manifestation. Let me use this verse out of Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives substance 
That's tangibility, reality to things hoped for. What if you don't hope for anything? What if there isn't any hope? Well, then faith has nothing to, to make manifest. Faith doesn't have anything to accomplish. You know, I heard Charles Capps one time give this illustration of an old guy that had, you know, lived way back in the woods and he only came into town once a decade or something like that to get supplies. And he lived in a cabin way back in the woods. So he came down into town. He went to a meeting and there was hundreds of people in this meeting. The guy was preaching and everybody started getting hot. He started fanning himself and an usher came up and just turned this little thing on the wall and within just a minute or two, this man started feeling cold air blow on him. And he thought that was the greatest thing he'd ever heard. So as soon as the meeting was over, he went and found that usher. And he says, what was that thing on the wall that you touched? And he says, what are you talking about? And he says, you came and turned that dial. And I started feeling cold air. What was that? And he says, it's a thermostat. And he says, can anybody get a thermostat? And he says, sure. And he says, where do you get a thermostat? And he says, you get to go to the hardware store. So this guy went to the hardware store, bought a thermostat, went back into the woods, and when it started getting hot, he had nailed that thing to his wall, and he went up there and turned the thermostat and was waiting on the cold air to come. But did you know it didn't come? Because the thermostat is not the power unit. It just controls the power unit. It turns it on and off. And this is the way that faith is. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But faith only produces what the thermostat of hope turns on. If you haven't seen it in your heart, if you haven't seen yourself, if you don't have a hope of being healed, then you won't have faith for being healed. Often we will downplay hope. And somebody says, well, are you here? Well, I hope so. And we say, you need to quit hoping and you need to go to believing. Well, it's true that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is what the power is. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful thing from God. But hope is what controls your faith. And so before you can really believe for something, you've got to hope for something. You know, I've used this facility that we have here in Woodland Park, Colorado, our Bible college campus, as an example many times. But we have built hundreds of millions of dollars worth of buildings. And it's amazing what's happened. But did you know that for decades, I, I hoped something like this would happen. I used to drive around and when I drive by a piece of property that was for sale, I would look at that and I would think, man, would that make a good conference center? I didn't always understand that we were going to have a Bible college but from the very beginning, I saw, I hoped that someday I would have a facility where I could facilitate people coming and hearing the word and people's lives would be changed. And I've been dreaming and hoping about this for decades. It's gotten so real that at times I would, I would uh, stay up all night long drawing pictures of what this building would look like. I've seen this building for decades. I saw it. I hoped for it. And if you would have asked me, all right, so are you going to, you know, what's God going to do? I couldn't have told you that this is what God is going to do. I could have told you I have a hope that something's going to happen. But over a period of time, it got stronger and stronger, and then things happened, and God showed me, and all of a sudden, my hope, I saw it, that this is what God wants, and immediately my faith started working to produce it. That's the way you need to be with healing. 
Some of you are praying for healing, but you don't have any hope. Matter of fact, you're hopeless. You may ask me or somebody else to pray for you, but if you, if you go away still in your wheelchair, if you go away still with the pain, if nothing changes, you think, well, that's kind of what I expected. So you didn't have the hope, and so therefore faith didn't produce. You know, there was a time that my wife and I needed a new car, and it was a real need. We, what we were driving was a dog. We needed a new car. But I wasn't ready to buy one right then, but I said, I need to start planning on this. And so I just went, Jamie and I went down to a car dealership, and we told the guy, we aren't ready to buy, but we are just wanting to get some information. How much is it going to cost? What kind of car can we afford? Etc. But see, this salesman, he understood the power of hope, a positive imagination. I was wanting to know, you know, some figures, like how much is it going to cost? How much is the warranty? How long does it last? What's covered in the warranty? I was wanting these things that were logical. He was wanting me to get in and experience it. He says, sit in the car. I didn't want to sit in the car, but he made me sit in the car. And he says, doesn't that new car smell smell good? You know, you can go buy that in a can and spray it in your car. But he started getting me into all of these emotional, sensory things. I could feel it. He made me drive it around the block. And he says, can't you see yourself in this car? It helps you to see yourself in that car when you physically sat in it. Then you can see you doing that again. You know what all that is? It's imagination. It's hope. And when I went there, I was doing it just out of, you know, because we needed some information. But after I had done all of these things, when Jamie and I went home that night, my hope had gone through the roof. Man, no longer was it just something we needed for in the future. We needed this now. I, I needed that. I could see myself in that car. And I stayed up half of the night trying to scheme. God, how could I afford this? What could I possibly do? My faith started working overtime to make that hope a reality. But before I had that strong hope, I really didn't have any motivation. My faith wasn't there. It's the same thing with healing. You may need healing. You may desire healing. But do you have a hope? Do you see yourself well? Do you see yourself running and jumping or going on vacation without all of your equipment, without all of this stuff, without your CPAP machine and all of these kind of things? Can you see yourself being normal? See, you've got to develop this hope. And once you turn that hope, like that thermostat, then the power unit of faith starts kicking in. And I think that we have underestimated the power of hope. And so we've tried to skip this and go straight into faith. And yet you don't have anything that you're hoping for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's in the unseen realm. That's where your imagination works, is in the unseen realm. Once you see it, then you don't hope for it anymore. You know, like I've said, this building at one time was something I hoped for. It was something I dreamed of. But now that we've got it, I'm not hoping for this building. Man, I've already got it. The moment we moved into this building, my faith was already on the second building. Once we moved into the second building, my faith was on the parking garage. And now I've got my faith out for all kinds of other things that we're doing. And hope is always about the future. Hope is about what cannot be seen. You may not be able to see healing in your body right now, but can you see it in your heart? Do you see yourself well? 
Or do you see yourself sick? When you dream, what do you dream about? When you dream on vacation, are you still in your wheelchair? Are you still unable to do certain things? Are you when you see when you dream about being over at somebody's house, can you eat anything that they give you? Now whether you should or not is a separate issue, but can you eat what they give you? Can you see yourself being normal and acting like other people? Or do you see yourself limping through life? I know that there's many of you right now that you're saying, Man, I have never gotten to that place. I still dream sick, think sick, plan sick talk sick, your whole world revolves around this, and you've been trying to believe God, but you've never seen it on the inside first. You've got to develop this, and it starts with your imagination. Your imagination is where you conceive things. Let me use this passage out of Psalms chapter 1, and this will kind of give you an insight of how your imagination, how you get it working. In Psalms chapter 1, in verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That word meditate right there is the exact same Hebrew word that is used in Psalms chapter 2 verse 1 that it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Did you know that meditating in the Word is imagining? That's important. You have to take Scripture and meditate on it. That means think about it. Just mull it over and over and over until it forms an image, an imagination on the inside. You know, without me knowing the things that I've shared with you today, back when I was a teenager, I remember about David fighting Goliath, and I went and looked in a commentary, and this commentary said that they thought that those measurements that were given equaled about 9 foot 6 inches. I went and marked 9 foot 6 inches on a tree. And then I've also read that, you know, the Israelites back then were smaller than what we are, and so David, especially as a young lad, was probably about 5 foot or less, so I marked nine foot six, the height of Goliath, and then I bent down to see what it would look like from five foot level. And I, you know what I was doing? I was helping imagine what this. I was meditating. I was imagining. And that story became alive to me. When I went to Israel, I was leading a tour group, and we came to the Valley of Elah where the actual battle uh, between uh, David and Goliath took place. And there's a huge valley there still. At the time I was there, I forgot how long ago it was, 15 years or something, there still wasn't anything really built there. And you could just, you could imagine what it was like because it was still open and you could see the hills around there. And anyway, it was a hot day. The bus driver stopped and he says, this is the Valley of Elah where the uh, fight between David and Goliath took place. Does anybody want to get off the bus? And it was really hot. Nobody wanted to get off. There was nothing there. It was just an open valley, except me. And I said, yes, I want to get off. So while everybody else stayed in the air-conditioned bus, I got out and I walked down into the midst of that valley, and there was a little dry stream bed, and I picked up five smooth stones, just like David did, 
And I stood there looking. And you know what? I wasn't just looking at what I could see with my eyes. I was imagining what it was like for David. I could see the Philistines, thousands of them up on the mountains. And I could see this giant. And you know why? It made my imagination come alive. When people go to Israel, they say, oh, there's just such a special anointing on that place. Man, I, I just, the word became alive to me. And they think that somehow or another it's an anointing on that ground or something. Know what it is. It's your imagination. It's one thing to read words, but most people don't meditate until those words paint a picture. But when you go to Israel and all of a sudden you see this place, now you can picture it. Now your imagination has been quickened. It helps your imagination to see these things. And that's the reason that the Word becomes alive to people. You don't have to go to Israel to have that happen. You can take the Word of God and meditate on it until it becomes alive. You know, I went and saw the movie, The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. And I'm not here to really comment on that, but I, one of my friends was just so overwhelmed. He says, when you see it, it's going to change your life. So I went with high expectations. And as I was watching that movie, I'm not saying that it was bad. I'm not discounting it or anything, but I was disappointed. Because as I was watching the crucifixion, as graphic as it was, I knew it was much worse than that. And I could spend an hour talking about what the Scripture says, Isaiah 52, verse 14, Isaiah 53. And as I was watching it, I was kind of disappointed. I said, God, what's wrong with me? How come this isn't impacting me the way that it's impacted some other people? And the Lord spoke to me and He says, it's because of your imagination. You have taken my word and meditated on what happened to where you saw it. He says, what's, the crucifixion has impacted you more than it impacted my disciples who were actually there because they didn't know that it was the fulfillment of Scripture. They were looking at it as absolute defeat. They were looking at it as the Romans, the scribes and the Pharisees won. They were looking at it through unbelief. You have looked at it. The Holy Spirit is quickening. And I have seen the crucifixion in my imagination. And it is so real to me. It's more real than if I had been there. You know, here's another example that I was holding a meeting one time, and I mean the power of God was so powerful that I was just standing there with my eyes closed. And with my eyes closed, I saw this door. It was in a Holiday Inn, and there were double doors over here to my left. And I saw those doors just swing open like this. I mean, violently, and Jesus walked through those doors. And then He stood there, and those doors just closed behind Him. And then he walked over and there were these two ladies who ran Bible schools for us. I knew them. And he touched one of them and she just fell flat on her face, spread eagle like this on the ground. And then he skipped two people and he walked over and touched the next one on the head. And she hit her knees and put her hands up and started worshiping the Lord. And what I was seeing with my eyes closed in my imagination was so real to me that I opened up my eyes to look and see what I could see with my eyes. And the moment I opened up my eyes, those doors just, boom, violently swung open. And then they closed slowly. But I couldn't see Jesus. I could just see the physical things that were happening. I couldn't see in the spiritual realm, but I could see the results of what was happening in the spiritual realm. And then this woman over here, she just fell spread eagle on the ground. And then two people over, another one hit her knees and lifted her hands. 
And you know what? Everything that I was seeing with my heart in my imagination, I was seeing with my physical eyes about 20 seconds later, and I could only see the physical results. I couldn't see what was happening in the spiritual. And because of that, I actually closed my eyes because I could see better with my heart than I could with my eyes. I could see not only what was happening in the physical, but I could see what was happening in the spiritual. And the Lord came over and spoke to me. I was seeing these things and hearing it in my heart. And He gave me some answers. And then He went down the center aisle, just kind of zigzagging down the aisle, and I saw the people. I was facing forward, and I, hadn't even, I didn't even know where these people were, but in my imagination, I could see these people. So as soon as the service was over, I went up and talked to them, and I said, what happened during that praise and worship? And they would tell me what God spoke to them, and it was exactly what I was hearing that God said to them. Did you know that that's your heart? That's your imagination. I saw things. You can get to where you see with your heart better than what you see with your eyes. We had a young girl, Marin Ham, and we have a healing testimony about her on our website if you want to go see it. But Marin Ham was in a wheelchair. I forget exactly how old she was. I think 16 or 17 at the time this had happened. And since she was nine, she had been in excruciating pain. Uh, she was unable to walk, and it was just a bad experience. And anyway, she came here to one of our healing schools on Thursday afternoon. Pastor Greg Moore, who runs our Bible college, ministered, and she began to start seeing. She had hope that she could be healed. She didn't get healed that day, but she had the hope, and she started nurturing it. She came back the next week, and I was speaking, and I prayed with her, and she didn't leave there healed that day. But her hope began to escalate. And as they were on their way home, they just stopped. And she says, I can stand up. And she stood up. That wasn't a complete healing, but that's what she had hope for. And so she stood up. Within 30 days of all of this starting, as her hope began to build, she, she just says, I am already healed. She saw herself healed. She didn't see herself sick anymore. And she says, I am healed. And she stood up and took a step. And she said that first step was pain-free. Then the second step, all of the pain returned. Everything that she had ever had. But she said, it didn't matter because I knew I was healed. She was going by what she saw in her heart more than what she saw with her eyes. And so she took the third step. And on the third step, all of the pain left. And she just took off running and she hadn't quit since. And see, it took about 30 days. She saw a little bit of manifestation during that time. But it's not that it takes God 30 days. It takes us a while to change the image that's on the inside of us. Again, I go back to a verse that I used at the very beginning of this. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you see yourself well, and I'm not talking about just dreaming on your own. Take the Word of God. It's an incorruptible seed. That word seed there is spora in the Greek. And spora is a derivative of the word sperma, where we get our English word sperm from. The Word of God is a sperm. And if you will take it and meditate on it until it forms an image on the inside of you of your healing, you conceive healing. And it will take a brief period of time. But you'll eventually give birth to that healing. And it's really as simple as what I'm talking about.
It's not necessarily easy. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is get to where you aren't walking by sight and what the doctor says and what your body tells you and what other people have to say, but where you are walking by faith and you are taking the Word, the incorruptible seed of God's Word, and you're meditating on it day and night. And if you keep doing that, it will paint a picture on the inside of you. Your imagination will conceive healing. And once you do that, it's just a matter of time until the birth comes. But you can't have the birth without the conception. Many people have been trying that. I'm emphasizing that you need to see it with your heart. You need to have a vision for healing. You need to imagine yourself healed. Meditate on the Scriptures until you can see yourself healed. And once you see it on the inside, it's just a matter of time until you see it on the outside. That's how powerful your imagination is. Nothing will be restrained to you when you can imagine it with your heart. Andrew, you want to So, is that a new concept for anybody? Our imagination is powerful. It would be if it hadn't been for Dusty teaching it. This is one of the things that I think really changed my life was, you know, if if you're, I used to think that God would supernaturally make something happen, but the moment I got ahead of, got a hold of the concept that, you know, He's already done it. I have to receive that. I have to actually let it grow in me. Then, you know, it took it took probably five, six years for you know for God to say, Hey, I want I want you to be a pastor and it grew me to the point where I said yes, right? Then it took, you know, several years before, you know, I, I was able to think about, you know, actually starting a church. So I mean, you know, you're talking about ten or eleven years before before I even, you know, started this ministry that I was like, well, you know, I can always play guitar. I mean, I was I remember being on praise and worship teams and going and doing stuff. Being youth, you know, being doing youth and doing all this stuff. And that was like no big deal. Because I had already seen it and I'd already done it. Well, you know, there's still things in me that I'm seeing and hoping for that, you know, there's a hope that's being, you know, put in me that, you know, I'm 46 years old. I'm hoping by the time, you know, my hope is that within the next few years that God's going to release me to do full-time ministry. Yeah. But that, that's been a hard concept. And you may be going, well, how is that time to health? Well, the same thing is, is that if I had something that was going on in my body and I'm needing to, you know, I'm needing to do something about that, then I need to start seeing myself do the thing that is having the issue. And so I know for the, you know, sometimes that's us saying no. 
you know, I've actually known people who said, you know, I because I'm sick, I have, you know, I, I get some benefit from the government. And you're going, so you you would rather be sick than have to go get a job. And there's some people that say, yes, absolutely. And, you know, there's some people that say, I want to be, I want to be healed and I want to be set free. But I also want the good parking spot. <laughs> you know, I want to be healed and I want to be set free. But I, I want, I like talking about it. How about that? I mean, there, there are those things which, you know, people will try to one up everybody. I always call it the one up, the one up, and you, you know, somebody comes in and goes, oh, I've just felt so bad this week. Well, you know what? Me too. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about my pain. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so the one upism is something that people like. I'm not saying that's what everybody everybody believes, but there are lots of different reasons why we won't see ourselves beyond our place. And sometimes that is because we're afraid. Sometimes that's because we don't see ourselves you know, being any better than what we are. And it sometimes takes time of us putting the Word of God in so that we are not conformed by the world. Because we're conformed by our thinking, by the world, but we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that's one of the reasons why this is important. That's why I'm taking these down, putting them on the, the podcast. Go download them. Go listen to them throughout the weeks. Don't just listen to it this one time and then walk away from it and go, well, you know, I didn't, didn't happen for me this, this one week. You know, we, you know, I use, uh, oh, I keep forgetting her name. Uh, she had fibromyalgia and everything with school with us. Oh, oh, Barbara. Barbara. Yeah, we, we had this lady in our Bible school that, Barbara, and she, she could not even get out of bed before 10 o'clock. She couldn't lay. lay every day. She would leave early. She was, I mean, lay her head down. She had issues. And you know, we started Bible school, and we went through Bible school, and it was six or eight months into Bible school, and all of a sudden we started noticing she started coming earlier. On time. On time. Mm -hmm. Leaving. We'd go to lunch, and she'd go eat lunch with us. All of that being said, it Start coming up in with makeup on. Makeup. Like, Doing her hair and makeup. But she would say, I, could, I can't get up, I can't. I can't do these things because it takes me hours to just get out of bed. Well, she started doing that. She started listening to the Word. I mean, when you're getting 16 hours a week of the Word, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty intense for most people, right? So she's getting it, getting it, getting it, and all of a sudden, she, she got it. She got it. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, we saw her, I guess it was maybe, what, a year or two ago I saw her? I mean, and she's still healed. Still healed. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. She also had some wrong concepts. She thought that she was the way she was because God was punishing her from things in her past. And once she got a hold of the truth that God loved her and was not withholding healing from her, um, that she was totally forgiven and totally free. Um, 
the work in her. See, that, that's one of the reasons why I truly believe in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Mm -hmm. Now, by the faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. That word greatest is mesonome, and it means that it's the first. And a lot of times I think what we have happen is, is that if we don't go by the fact that we are loved by God, then we have hope because we're loved. Once we are loved and have hope, then we can have faith. We can that's trust. So good. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So that's faith works by love. Faith works. And we always love. thought it was how much we loved everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's how when we know how much God loves us, faith is just birthed in that. Knowing how much And Andrew hit that a lot tonight about mm -hmm. hope that mm -hmm. leads to faith. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is that a lot of times we need to go back to the first love. Yeah. We need to know that He loved us and that He sent His Son for us and that His Son went to the cross and He died with stripes on His back mm -hmm. to take on to take on not only our sins but also to take on our sicknesses, mm -hmm. our diseases. And so those are the kind of things that if we don't understand his love first, then we're not going to have that hope that's going to carry us into trust, that faith. There's a scripture, um, I'm just going to look it up because I don't remember the address, but where it says, if he didn't withhold his son, who was his very best? If he didn't withhold his son, why would he withhold anything from us? He gave us, he's already given us the very best in his So he's not withholding anything from us. <laughs> Woohoo! He's a good, yeah. good father. <laughs> yeah, it's just, we're the problem. <clears throat> well, well, but he made way for us not to even be the problem. That's very <laughs> he true. He made way. It's just us getting past ourselves. <laughs> he made way for us to redo our mind. And, and gave us his word. So that we can blow well, and everything he's got for us. Mm -hmm. We're just going to hear what it says. Yeah. That yeah. comes by hearing. Mm -hmm. That's in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. That you hear. Not just with your ears, but with your spiritual ears. Your whole being. Mm -hmm. You hear. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that's one of the reasons why I believe that the, our heart is defined by the same scripture. That it's our belief system, it's our core beliefs, is that because it says that we believe with our heart and say with our mouth. Well, you don't believe with anything else. You don't believe with your head because your head takes in the knowledge, right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That, that's that's just I'm taking in knowledge. But see, the thing is, is that our heart, our belief system, is where our core. You could stick a gun to my head, and I'm not going to renounce. It's it is what it is, and I I'm know just that I know that I know, I know that I know. Knows that I know, right? Yeah. And so we believe with our heart, and we say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. But we know He's got the He's got the paycheck. All He's already signed it. All we have to do is just accept it, put it, accept it, put it in, yeah. in practice. I love all the imagination stuff, though. Mm -hmm. I had touched on that somewhat before, but not to the extent that he did the night. Mm -hmm. You know, imagining things in your in your mind, mm -hmm. in your inner being. 
and God's going to take care of whatever it is that's confronting you or you imagine yourself going through it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it's the opposite of worry. I mean, have you ever like had a kid run late from a, being gone somewhere or something, and your mind, your imagination starts? Oh my goodness, they ran off the freeway. They're in a ditch. You know, your mind can start. Why not imagine good things? Mm -hmm. Why not imagine what we the thing the desires that God put in our heart? I mean, it's like like He was saying, building the campus there. He began to see that stuff. Well, if you're believing for a church building, start seeing yourself in a church. You know, a different building, a different location, or whatever God's put in your heart. You know, see yourself. Getting up and coming to the church to work every day rather than, you know, just, you know, begin to see yourself. If you want a new job or whatever, begin to see yourself in that place and just meditate on those things. And um, get a picture, get a vision because that gives birth to faith. It's going to give birth because you're going to begin to see it in, in manifestation. Especially if you can build. Yeah. Oh, really? He sits yeah. up in the middle of the night and crawls. Oh, okay. He's using his imagination. 